Welcome to Betty. This is where I share some of my lessons about life, leadership, and the mostly peaceful pursuit of happiness. I hope you find something here to help you along your journey. Discovered in 1811, iodine was originally called iode from the Greek word for violet colored. I can't pronounce it, but I'll put it in the notes. By 1931, it had been anglicized to iodine, and this is where we find a little boy in a schoolhouse bathroom. He was sent there by his teacher, Ruth Shaw, to apply iodine to a minor wound. Well, he did what some little boys do sometimes, precisely the opposite of his instructions. Bright-eyed and smiling, he took this little bottle of purplish fun and got to work on the walls. Not a care in the world, just him, his fingers, and a huge canvas. We imagine Miss Shaw's reaction when she checks on him a few minutes later. Now, fortunately for the world, Miss Shaw saw art, not shenanigans. This would be a moment of inspiration for her. She would go on to patent non-toxic paint and the art of finger painting. And refrigerators everywhere are thankful. If we take a moment and we think back to this time in our lives, we were unabashed with our application of colors, swirls, and all the things your freewheeling fingers could dream up. No judgment, no admonishment, and zero criticism. We didn't get grades, feedback, edits, or did you think about? Even when Roy G. Biv turned a solid color brown, someone told you how wonderful it was, and by extension, how wonderful you were. Because it was, and you are. Enter the number two pencil. Whether it was something in the water, the Great Depression, or just chance, 1931 was also the year that high school physics teacher Reynold Johnson invented the machine that could automatically score tests. This invention would end up being a boon for number two salespeople and their colleagues peddling its close cousin, the Scantron. While not Mr. Johnson's fault, our school years would then move us from paint-stained fingers to don't color outside of the bubble, or it will be wrong. Quite suddenly, we funnel from divergent tendencies and freeform paint swirl to something that converges on the practical, a specific pencil in a specific bubble. I am not here to admonish the educational system, but only use these tiny fear-inducing circles to make a point. Society tells us it's impossible to be right if you're outside the lines. Experts and their free-wielding opinions can make this even worse. It's because we all see the world through our lens, our perspective, and as we look to provide feedback, it's almost impossible for us to be objective. We apply our knowledge, our preferences, and our history. While deep expertise is valuable, it can also kill innovation. As we become experts, we risk falling into an expert trap. It's too easy to believe that because of our experiences, we know more or that we're right. Can you tell me... What would the correct ignition timing be on a 1955 Bel Air Chevrolet with a 327 cubic inch engine and a four barrel carburetor? It's a bullshit question. Does that mean that you can't answer it? It's a bullshit question. It's impossible to answer. Impossible because you don't know the answer. Nobody could answer that question. Your Honor, I move to disqualify Ms. Vito as an expert witness. Can you answer the question? No. It is a trick question. Why is it a trick question? Watch this. Because Chevy didn't make a 327 in 55. The 327 didn't come out till 62. And it wasn't offered in the Bel Air with a four-barrel carb till 64. 
However, in 1964, the correct ignition timing would be four degrees before tap dead center. Well, oh. She's acceptable, Your Honor. I'm an expert on some things, and I'm a complete dolt on others, and truth be told, sometimes I'm not sure which. Now, where I hold strong beliefs, you would be hard-pressed to convince me to change my mind. For example, tell me that culture doesn't matter in an organization, only strategy? I'm not sure I'm even capable of processing that, and I'm incapable of considering it without a strong bias against both the idea and the corresponding dolt who said it. When we become experts, real or perceived, we want to defend our position. We dig trenches, we oil our weapons, and if we're not careful, we will take our company up on the hill and we'll all die. An empire toppled by its enemies can rise again, but one which crumbles from within, that's dead forever. If you don't believe me, let's look at a few comments from experts. This one from Steve Ballmer in 2007. He's a president or CEO of Microsoft at the time. There is no chance that the iPhone is going to get any significant market share. Steve, let me ask you about uh, the iPhone and the Zune, if, if I may. The Zune uh, was getting some traction, then Steve Jobs goes to Macworld and he, he pulls out this iPhone. What was your first reaction when you saw that? $500 fully subsidized with a plan? I said, that is the most expensive phone in the world, and it doesn't appeal to business customers because it doesn't have a keyboard, which makes it not a very good email. Here's another one. There is no reason for any individual to have a computer in their home. This one was from Ken Olson, president and founder of Digital Equipment Corporation. Have you ever heard of him? Yeah, I didn't think so. Here's one from Albert Einstein. There is not the slightest indication that nuclear energy will ever be obtainable. It would mean that the atom would have to be shattered at will, end quote. And in 1946, a 20th century movie producer said the following, television won't last because people will soon get tired of staring at a plywood box every night. And finally, from the incredible Margaret Thatcher in 1969, it will be years and not in my time before a woman will become prime minister, end quote. Whether respected or feared, leaders have tremendous power. Our words and actions can change the course of the team and of lives. It is an enormous responsibility, and we have to be thoughtful and cautious. Here's a dilemma. Do we share our biased opinion on how to make something better, or do we open up space for confidence and creativity? I personally give this no small amount of consideration, and unfortunately for the humans I work with, typically only after I've provided my expert opinion. You see, my ability to see the 1% wrong while missing the 99% that's wonderful is stunning. And as a leader, if I spend time applying only my perspective to your ideas, I will train you to bring me what I want and what gets you the least amount of criticism. What I'm saying is, color in my proverbial Scantron bubble and you will win. Worse yet, I am unconsciously encouraging the entire team to converge on a normative state that gets the least amount of criticism. 
because criticism creates fear. And when we have a fearful environment, we lack creativity. Very soon, we're all going to act the same, produce the same, and potentially find our obsolescence in the torrent of newness that is our world. Our humans need our expertise, but they also need our Ms. Shaw. Ms. Shaw finds us coloring on the walls, and rather than a reprimand for not bringing our number two pencil, she reinforces that creativity is welcome. She simultaneously fills up our confidence cup, and with that, we're primed to keep creating boldly, fearlessly, and with joy. While Buddha might encourage us to be like a boulder, unmoved by praise or blame, that's hard in reality. It's particularly hard when navigating your school or your professional life when so much is perceived to be on the line. We want to know we're doing a good job. We're like children in that respect. A nudge keeps us going. That push gets the flywheel of confidence spinning. And with confidence, we keep repping out the next version. And with each version, we get better together. Here's some takeaways. Number one, convergent versus divergent thinking. Convergent means coming closer together, especially in characteristics or ideas. Divergent is tending to be different or develop in different directions. Careful that your innovation doesn't converge into a Scantron bubble. Number two, the expert trap. Leaders must provide their expert opinion, but be aware of their blind spot and tendency to defend their hill. To avoid this, approach situations as a student, not a teacher. Curiosity is medication for this ailment. And finally, sometimes people need confidence, not criticism. I hope you found this helpful. And if you did, hit like. I would love for you to leave me a comment or better yet, share it with someone else who might find this helpful too. I hope you're good out there. Take care.